following signal was intercepted and decoded by a satellite put into orbit by the Japanese cat food conglomerate Pussygut 25. The satellite subsequently exploded. Japanese scientists sent the message in tape form to an underground station. The aggressive containers used by the covert station imploded under the sinister energies and into the wet brain of a young man working on a waste incineration plant in North London. Through his hands, this message reached textual climax. Chapter 11 California Steaming Orca Airlines have an incredible deal on San Francisco at the moment. If your partner is a hammerhead shark, you can fly out to the city absolutely gratis. Wow. If you present your partner's hammer at the counter of the Japanese tea room in Golden Gate Park, they'll throw in a living monkey suit. <coughs> Hurry! By the year 2040, San Francisco will be controlled by huge stinking skeletal pods who operate human corpses with black magic boxes. Automatic Biography Queasy Memoirs Written by David Goodchild I was listening to a wild new horn and tuba compilation called Horny Licks All the masters were on there Jabba, Hoontastic, Hot Ice and Further Fire the music was making me so hard I felt like fucking a donut. And two days later, I did. It took two surgeons a week to remove the tight ring from my engorged member, and by that time it was heavily pregnant and demanding sushi. Many perfume manufacturers have attempted to capture the smell of Mop the Hoople, most famously in the case of Chanel, who came close to recreating the seminal semolina stench of the acclaimed glam pub glitter band with their autumn range of freckless fragrances. First to hit the shelves was Overend Watts No. 5, a subtle perfume based on the sweaty excretions of the celebrated guitarist. The novelty, like the smell, soon wore off and Chanel were forced to counteract consumer habituation by introducing the potent aroma of Ariel Bender, an outrageous scent which caused sexual frenzy in thousands of unsuspecting wearers. The piece de resistance came with the launch of Hunter, a rich fragrance complete with curly locks and aviator shades. Mott aficionados complained that the perfumes failed to capture what it was actually like to be in Mott Hoople, until a new scent, co-produced by David Bowie, blasted into existence. Soon, everyone wanted a sniff of Mott, and it was only a matter of time before the underarm deodorant roll away the B.O. and the urine beauty system golden age of rock and roll sealed the market.
He gave us the spectacle of frogs washing themselves with fantastic flexible flippers. For that, he will always be number one in our hearts. I kissed the life-sized poster of David Attenborough with an eager tongue and left for work. As soon as I saw the chimney rearing over the fields like an industrial erection, I came out in sympathy and began to walk with a crab-like gait in order to hide my excitement from the passing motorists. However, my abnormal motion attracted a gorgeous Latin American motorist who slowed down and stopped, opening the door and offering me a lift, her eyes darting around my heaving crotch like sexual radar. I tried to explain that it was the chimney that had turned me on, but she was in a dirty world of her own. As we pulled into the plant car park, she patted me on the leg and winked, convinced that she was some kind of cosmic nymph, but it was the chimney, the pipe that really got my juices flowing. I made a mental note to bring Bug-Eye down here for a photo shoot. Perhaps he could create an effect, make it look like the chimney was wearing panties. Now that would be something. Better than putting up with a wandering Sasquatch filling your bath with fish guts, that's for sure. Chapter 12. Embryo soup stains on my new silk shirt. My first published work was an article on hats which appeared in an airline magazine. The piece was commissioned by Rachel's sister, Sarah, editor of the publication. After some heavy editing, my name was changed to Holly for the purposes of the article. Holly is the name of Sarah's cat. So I didn't write the piece under a pen name, I wrote under a pen species. Sarah is affectionately known to us as a clucker. She makes a soft clucking sound when faced with overpriced consumer goods. One glistening summer day, I ran up to Sarah and sang that's right, that's right, that's right, that's right, I really love you, give and light. That's neat, that's neat, that's neat, that's neat, I really love you, give and feed, you give and feed, you give and feed. Sarah wasn't impressed, and neither were the police. I spent the next night in a cell being sprayed with horse urine by an energetic and ruddy chief inspector with a chip on his shoulder and an axe to grind. I paid my debt to society and returned to my shamed family in disgrace. As I'm writing this, I'm thinking about you, gentle reader. I can see your soft face, hear your slow and measured breathing, hear the butterflies in your lungs, I can smell your fine hair, almost touch the inner wall of your smoothly curving pancreas. I am the atomic surfer on your red blood corpuscles. I am the belch that disturbs your neighbour. I am the gust that escapes your anus with a silent sigh. I provide your diesel. I am the silent heartbeat that dances behind your ribs. I am the perfect crease in your solar flares. I am the husky voice of all sex lives. I am the one who gives you exciting VIP massage, very discreet visits arranged.
Chapter Thirteen: Juicy Fruit. Benny the Banana arrived in the UK in 1967. His head bruised from the unwelcome attentions of a tarantula who gripped him all the way over on the plane. Benny stowed away on the plane under a few bunches of other bananas who were a lot greener than Benny. As soon as the plane landed at Heathrow, <coughs> Benny put on his banana dana and wraparound shades and made for London's criminal underworld, where a rotten banana called Curvy John right, put him to work running numbers in Turnpike Lane. Soon, Benny was immersed in a sleazy hell. He drank until he was senseless and woke up every morning stinking of perno. He spent all his money on drink and loose plums, and had no food in his grimy bedsit. Consequently, he took to slicing a small piece off the top of his head for breakfast, until he was half his original size. One morning, he attempted to shave his dirty beard and took off his midsection. He was unrecognisable as a banana. It acted as a kind of disguise and allowed him to evade the monkey police and perpetrate more and more sinister crimes. He got involved with a saucy cherry hooker called Candice, who had a heart of stone. She spent Benny's money and killed his black heart. Locked in a spiral of evil, Benny went on the rampage. The monkey police had been informed that Benny was too curved and was violating EEC standards. An APB was put out. Benny robbed a convenience store just as two monkey cops were buying donuts from a nearby stall. They gave chase. Benny pulled off his skin and threw it on the ground. One monkey copper went down, but the second one put a fruit bullet up his ass. Benny was sentenced to life in a maximum security fruit bowl. One day, his curve brushed against the backside of a dangerous armed robber. What are you? Some kind of fruit? The villain growled, and Benny was taught a hard lesson by him and his loony mates. Benny began to remain in his cell, dreaming of open spaces and flicking tissue paper at the walls. He began to go brown as he did his time. Then the authorities found out that Benny had slaughtered a crowd of innocent tangerines in Cuba. He received the death sentence. The warder took him down, and Benny was allowed to request a final meal. He chose a banana split. Incensed at this show of outright cannibalism, the warder dragged Benny kicking and screaming into the execution chamber. The death chef was waiting with the blender running. Benny said his prayers and prepared for the journey into pulp. Rivers of Ribena have stained my new Pepe jeans. Puddles of Perry have decimated my Tommy Hilfiger T-shirt. Torrents of tomato juice have rusted my shiny Rolex. I turn my eyes to the heavens and ask, Why, Great Zeus? Why, oh, why are my expensive garments and accessories constantly being eroded by cheap drinks? Just for once, it would be nice to see a bit of Dom Perignon on my Armani jackets. Worth noting that the contents of this queasy memoir may not represent the current mental state 
and life experience of the author who is now 51 years old. Apologies for any offence, it was all intentional. Automatic Biography Queasy Memoirs Written by David Goodchild Read, edited and published by Mike Pierce It is imperative that you wash your limbs and arteries down with bleach and formaldehyde after exposure to this rabbit signal.